0: Does your company's products or applications have bugs? Do you even know? That's the premise behind a company called BugCrowd. The startup is linking businesses that need to find bugs with people who love to hunt for bugs. Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, executive editor for Information Security Media Group. I'm at the RSA Conference, and I'm speaking with Casey Ellis, the founder and CEO of BugCrowd. Casey, what led you to found BugCrowd?
1: Customers that I had doing pen test work for in tech, but also in more traditional verticals, payment cards, uh, you know, telcos, companies like that, they all started asking me about bug bounty programs. And you know, at the time, uh, Facebook was being quite vocal about marketing their program and the success yes. of it. Yes. So that kind of coincided with that. Um, so I started asking the question, you know, if you think it's a good idea, why aren't you doing it? Yeah. Uh, because what they were saying, they were, like they were leaning in on the idea. Because they, they, they were kind of talking about, you know, this whole asymmetry of the economics of how we're solving the problem right now and how they feel that pain as well. Yeah. And then seeing this as, well, maybe that will fix the problem. Right. I was asking, you know, why, why don't you do it? And really the trigger point for starting Bug Crowd was the fact that they all said basically the same things. I mean, it was questions around, you know, how, how do I manage the process? And, you know, questions around, like, trust and risk and, and different things like that. Um, and it was pretty much... You know, after a few of those conversations the light globe kind of popped on yep. uh, and it was like well okay if we can solve those objections in the context of, uh, of a service offering and a platform yeah. then we might have the bones of a business that can actually pretty much disrupt the entire industry of, of vulnerability discovery as we know it right now yeah. um, with a model that is better at it mm-hmm. um, so I started you know, playing with the idea, doing a few proof of concepts it, it turned out to be Way more effective than, than I thought it would be. Um, mm-hmm. Why was it effective?
0: That. Because of the scale, because of the easy reproducibility. In a way, like yeah. you build yeah. one system and it can work with so many different organizations.
1: Yeah, there's definitely that. Like if you look at it, like building software, building systems, building a business, it's a creative endeavor. Um, but you know, most of what we're doing to try to keep the bad guys out is uh, is you know pretty much relying on automation. So there's always going to be this gap where the creativity that's been applied to something that's automated doing its thing is going to kind of end. Um, and it's in that gap, it's sort of like this, you know, security blind spot, so to speak, where the attackers like to play and where people, you know, if you can sort of make humans new automation to fill that gap, then they, they can always stay up to date with with how the bad guys are doing things, so that was kind of the, uh, the the core idea behind it. Have
0: a bunch of companies signed up
1: now. Yeah, yeah, we've done 150 programs okay. um, across 100 customers, verticals ranging from large tech because I, I think you know that's where this all started. It's the logical kind of you know ground zero for the market. But the thing that we've done, we've put a lot of work into. Basically, reducing the risk and increasing the control of the process for the customer, which is, you know, the most of the reason for that is, is to have it be consumed in a way um, that makes sense to, to a traditional organizations. We've got companies like Western Union, we've got, you know, Barracuda, yeah. River, like these, like, still tech enabled, because I think anyone who's going to be interested in talking to us is going to be a tech enabled. Yeah. But they're not tech, like, yeah. they're not like yeah. crazy Bay Area startup type organization
0: yeah. how do you set the reward scheme or do they set the reward scheme
1: So we've got a couple of models that, that we that we use there's the traditional there's the what we call the traditional model uh, which is basically the same as how Google and Facebook do it where it's it's essentially open first to find each unique issue gets paid the more severe the issue is the more the researcher gets. We do it in pricing brackets, or rather reward brackets, uh, and those are based on a bunch of different data points, but the main one is, like, what are these guys expecting? What's the crowd actually expecting to, to be rewarded with if they, if they can, you know, deliver a result for the customer on a public basis? So that's that side. Then the stuff that we did to basically replace pen testing and things like, you know, dynamic application security testing tools, we created a reward model called Flex, And basically the way Flex works, it's the same principle in general as a traditional bug bounty, but instead of... The the problem with a traditional bug bounty program, particularly if you're a more conservative customer, is like, how do you budget for that? Uh Because the whole purpose of it is you're trying to find things that you don't know, and you get to pay each time that happens. Yeah, unpredictable. You can't budget for it, because if you could, then we wouldn't be having this conversation in the first place. You'd know where your bugs are already. So what we did with Flex was created a model that basically caps the cost, like guarantees a capped expense to the customer. We do that through reward dilution, mm-hmm. um, if it, that becomes necessary. Basically, the way it works is, uh, you know, say there's a is a there's a reward pool. Um, we run Flex over a period of time. Or it's continuous Flex. We run it basically back to back. But if talk about a one-time one for the purpose of understanding it. Um, there's a scope, there's the researchers that get invited in they do their thing first to find each unique issue gets a reward, but then at the end the customer selects the top three
0: mm-hmm.
1: most creative and severe issues and they get first, second, third place mm, okay. uh, which are higher rewards, and then there's basically a runner-up tier underneath that and you know, in the case where there's more bugs found than there was reward pool allocated to start with we dilute that bottom tier, which is what keeps the, the cost to the customer static flip side is if it's not fully allocated then whatever's left over carries forward so they start to actually spend less money over time as they improve their security and, and how long has that been going that we, that, we actually started with that like okay. we, were, we were doing that before we had traditional programs okay, like we, we it. launched it to the market probably just under a year ago but you know even by that stage we've done 30 or 40 of them. I guess
0: there's some variability for the researchers at that point.
1: Yeah, the trick with that is that you be very upfront about how this works and make it as simple as possible. Yeah. So, so the whole idea is, yeah, like, you guys, here's the deal, like, and and hopefully if you look at it and have a bit of a think about it, you can understand why it's set up this way. Yeah. Um, if you're not cool with that, like, you can opt not to participate.
0: Right.
1: Uh, and, yeah. you know, there's 16,000 in the crowd. Okay, that's fine. Like, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't have to. The other thing is when they, you know, we've noticed um, with Flex, particularly with the people that are repeat researchers, um, like the folks that make it up into the trusted tier that we've got, um, they self-moderate. Like, if they find, if, they, if they're looking at an application or a system that has, like, lots and lots and lots and lots of issues, they'll go in, they'll do the things that they're good at, and then they'll basically stop because it's like, okay, this thing is Swiss cheese. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's going to dilute, like, and beyond the effort that we've already put in, the customer's going to end up with enough things to work on anyway, so we can just call it a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas flip side is if it's a really hard target, um, then what you'll usually get is you'll draw out people that are more incentivized to be that guy who got the awesome bug. Yeah. Yeah. great example of that was one that we did for a listed tech company just recently. Um, and it's a probably a 12-year-old target, like very highly trafficked um, and all of that. Um, we didn't find much in terms of just random QA-type security issues, but like just before the flex ended, there was a vulnerability that came out that... Um, that basically gave the attacker remote code execution on the web server farm. That's a badass bug. And, you know, that thing had been there for probably a couple of years. Um, It's just no one had applied the particular creativity of that particular person with the right incentives for him to actually be patient enough to to pop it if that makes sense and yeah. they already like competing with each other as well like the hacker culture there's a is all about. aspect yeah it obviously yeah yeah, yeah it's really it's, it's a competitive culture that they're driven yeah. to learn like they're driven to solve puzzles and and kind of you know it's like this fascination of i don't know what's behind that door yeah like i don't even really care it's more that like I, i'm setting myself now the the challenge of being able to, I can f- find, to yeah. fi- find out yeah, yeah. um and then you combine that with the fact that they often, you know, just want to brag on their stuff, basically, and and, um, and be, you know, the, the best hacker in the room at the time or whatever. Um, we draw all of that out and put it in the platform, so we've got, like, badges and leaderboards and scores and, and all of these... different So things. actual gamification. Actual gamification, yeah, <laughs> on top of the cash. I know of people that, that do this for subsistence um, out of places like India, um, Philippines, um, South America, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit Eastern Europe in there as well. Um you know, we've got a great story of a, of a kid who, who joined the platform who was, uh, I think, 18 at the time, and he's an Indian guy, and his uh, father wanted him to grow up to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And he wants to you know, grow up and be a, a, a cyber security you know, hacker, like going out and doing all those things. He loves it. Um, so he was participating in bounty programs and actually having us deposit the money into his father's account to prove that this was a legit career progression for him. he made he made enough. You know, I think that guy made maybe 20, 25000 bucks over the course of a year for an eighteen year old kid in Chennai. Uh-huh. Like that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's rent for two years at least, and, and you know a whole bunch of other stuff. So there is subsistence happening. It's not at a point yet where there's. Um, like consistent, like survivable liquidity for people in the West, but you know, we're obviously pretty, pretty interested in getting it to the point where it is, and it seems to be trending in the right direction, which is a good thing.
0: Future going forward. I mean, how do you see this evolving? We we, we see like, buy-in. Hopefully,
1: yeah, yeah, totally. Um, well, better buy-in. Obviously, you know, we're, we're seeing we're seeing different verticals pick up the idea um, and start to talk about it. We actually just redid the website today with um, or launched a, a redone website mm-hmm. with a bunch of more customer testimonial stuff on there, and it uh-huh. sort of points out the different verticals that are actually engaging this idea. Um, bigger picture you throw a bug crowd out five years uh you know the way the way we're looking at it is that cybersecurity is you know if you're trying to solve a problem that's being caused by a crowd then crowdsourcing is the most logical way to to solve it right Mm -hmm. so right now it's bug bounties and you know it's being helped along by the fact that they're kind of the new hotness right now um but really that's just kind of the 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 you know the catalyst for a change in the way that people think about getting these sorts of things sold. So it's like, what else can you apply a crowd of 16,000 people to? Come? It's not just finding bugs. Yeah. So you know, the idea of it is, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to run disclosure programs and, and public bug bounty programs. But then, you know, what we're already doing for customers, it's it's almost like. I hate to say it, Uber for hackers because it just is an overblown way of describing it. It's like, yes, I need some hackers, please go. And like they're downstairs in the car with the engine running, you know, ready, ready to come in and help out. Like we're segmenting the crowd out based on their skills. We've got the mobile guys, we've got the, the IoT guys, the web guys, all these different things. And really, it's this pitch of the Elastic security team. Um,
0: you
1: know, that's and that's a it's an that's an uninsured. Like I have to actually be quite explicit about pointing that out, because it's a bit of a, it's not an unintuitive jump to, to make, but this whole bug bounty trend is so noisy and, yeah. and dominant, um, that that, like, nuance of where it could go gets a little bit lost in that. Concept.
0: Conceptually speaking, it's not obvious that you could do a one-to-many bug bounty program, mm. right? Mm. But like you said, oh, you know, now in retrospect, it's like, oh, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, exactly right. But I mean, you had to, no offense, stumble your way there, sort of. Yeah, yeah totally.
1: That's, that's how innovation happen. works, exactly. basically.
0: It's so rare in the security realm to be able to know what people can do. Yeah, these people have proven what they can do. Yep, exactly. I mean, and you know, that's those are the kinds of people that Google hire. Yep, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, because they've proven got, what they can do. We've got
1: people. This is a weird kind of byproduct. At some point, there'll be some sort of recruiting thing that we that we light up through the system. We've got folks. You know, we've had one of the, our top guys get hired by Tesla. Like he wasn't uh-huh. even in the security industry before uh-huh. he started doing this stuff. Like he was a sysadmin obviously had the golden eye. Like, this guy is, is a very good hacker. Yeah. He just never worked in security. And now this has transitioned him into a, into a security role at a pretty cool company. But, you know, the, the, the overall problem that we're, that we're trying to solve here is that, you know, the million we call it the million-person problem. Like, the, the Cisco report last year saying there's a million unfilled roles in this industry globally. Um, we're not going to be able to, like, it, it's two things. It's, okay, how do we build an army? But then also, how do we find a way to connect them to the demand more efficiently than what we're doing right now? Because what, what, what we're doing right now sucks. Um, you know, we're hiring people that they might be smart, but there's only, there's a limitation to what one person's capable of. And then the other challenge of it, of course, is that you've got all these folks being bred out of, you know, the, uh, the universities on the East Coast that are getting hoovered up by the NSA and, and CIA. Like, a lot of that, that, that talent is actually being sucked up by the government. So, all right, cool. How do, we, how do we get ahead of that, right?
0: Casey, thanks for taking the time to tell us about Bug Crowd. For ISMG, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for joining us.